All right, welcome to the first of its kind, world-changing manufacturers network. Lisa Ryan has her ears to the ground and her heart in the game. Get ongoing education and new connections right here with Lisa and the manufacturers network. Buckle your seat, listen, and spread the word. Here's Lisa. Hey, it's Lisa Ryan, and welcome to the Manufacturers Network podcast. I'm excited to introduce you to our guest today, Jake Hall. Jake is the manufacturing millennial. He talks about the latest technology in the automation and manufacturing industry while being a business development manager at Fian Zilstra, an electrical contractor systems integrated company. I found Jake because he also posts really cool manufacturing videos on LinkedIn, so make sure to check him out. Jake, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, Lisa. Great to be here. You are the manufacturing millennial, and I know that that's one of the things that the listeners to this podcast really have issues with is how do you find the younger generations? How do you create that type of passion that obviously you bring every day to manufacturing? So share a little bit about your background and, and what got you to where, what you're doing now. Absolutely. Yeah. The labor force right now in manufacturing is is absolutely the hot topic. So for me as, as a millennial and, and a younger person in manufacturing goes back to after graduating from college, I had the opportunity to go into automation distribution. So Entering that field really brought a lot of opportunity quickly where I'm not working at one specific company. I'm traveling around visiting machine builders, manufacturers, and end users in all different industries. So for me, I had a really unique experience seeing the diversity that manufacturing offers in a, in a really just exciting way. And as my career developed, I started attending more professional conferences. And as I attend these conferences and I'm walking around, I say, man, people my age are really underrepresented in the manufacturing industry. And I never really looked at the statistics until one day after a conference, I said, man, I'm one of like two millennials in this room. Mm-hmm. What are the odds of that? And so I look it up and say, holy cow, manufacturing millennials and Gen Zs were completely underrepresented in the manufacturing industry. So I said, what can I do to create more conversation and awareness around what can manufacturers, what can companies and automation and distribution and the warehouse industry do better to attract the future workforce, which in this case is the millennials and then the the generation behind me, the Gen Zs. And I, I think that just goes back to, I need to share the diversity that manufacturing offers and also dispel the myths around manufacturing that it's this dark, dirty, dangerous environment that has no opportunity or growth going forward. And that's kind of how the thing kicked off. And I speak at a lot of conferences and you are absolutely right. And it, and it, people aren't really sure. It's like, do millennials not enjoy conferences? Do they don't get it? They don't like to be in person. You know, what are some of the things that you're hearing? And again, going back to what made you go to those conferences and get involved in your industry trade association? Because again, that's the conversation that we need to start having. Yeah. I think for a long time, it was when you go to these conferences, it was always this idea of right the the upper management you know kind of the old boys club in a sense right you go there everyone knows each other you go there you network the handshakes are there but i think everybody's started to realize to say hey we need to directly inspire the next generation to get involved and they need to begin networking they need to be getting 
tied into the industry more in depth. And I think that's what a lot of companies have failed to do in the past was really see that there's so much value and payback when you can not only attract the young workforce, but retain the existing young workforce that's there. And when you can show the potential that the industry has to offer at a much larger scale, when you visit these conferences or trade shows or events, that's where you can say, hey, we're investing in you and we want you to see the value that that this industry can offer you as you know, professional growth. And when it comes to these associations, are there things that they do better than others as far as to be attractive to a millennial? Is it shorter programs? Is it more interesting speakers? Is it industry related? Is it soft skills? Is it networking topics? What were some of the things that light you up that you think, again, if an, if an association professional is listening to this, some ideas for them to change their conferences up a bit? Yeah, I think a, a few things, you know, and, and there's not one fix all. I think there's multiple things. I think a couple of them is when you look at millennials and the, this new workforce, we're not necessarily working just for a paycheck. A lot of the younger generation also looks for purpose within their position, purpose within their job. And if they can make an impact or contribute to something at a higher level than just what their task is doing from an eight to five job, they see more value in it. So when you're looking at conferences and organizations, what can you do to show that this is impactful to your current job or to the industry as a whole when you're looking at the event? If it's just something that's where you're going to go there, you're going to talk about stuff, but you're not going to walk away with anything that you can use to either impact your business or your industry, what value is that bringing that younger generation? And I think as well as the other big thing is how is, how is your event being planned out Younger generations like to have fun. They like to socialize. We're on a we're on a social media frenzy within communication. Are you leveraging what new stuff people enjoy doing as part of the event? It's not so much that this newer generation, I think, has this shorter attention span. It's just that we process and look at information differently because we have so much information at our fingertips where before you go to a conference and you were listening to an industry expert and that's where you learned. Nowadays, I can go on YouTube and listen to that same expert on YouTube at my convenience or hop on a podcast and listen to that speaker whenever I want. So what value are you contributing that is past just what education can learn? I think a lot of that has to do with networking. So how much networking is leveraged at events, I think, is more important than, hey, come and listen to this 90-minute speech on topic XYZ to learn it from a systems expert. That That's not necessarily the same anymore because the power of information is available at our fingertips, and that's how we get information these days. We get information from Wikipedia and other sources that didn't exist 15, 20 years ago. Right. Which also from a speaking standpoint, you know, you can be fact checked like right there. Oh, (laughs) I'll I'll admit I've done speakers and when when they throw out a statistic, I'm like, no way. And I'll Google right there and I'll be like, okay, so he's either making that one up or, you know, he's wrong or all the sources are wrong. But absolutely. It's just one of those things where information is now literally in the palm of our hand that we would be normally consuming at a conference. 
Well, the other thing too that I like about speaking at manufacturing conferences is the fact that it feels like a family. People have known each other forever. They know each other's families. They compete against each other, but they still are there to provide resources. And sometimes as a new person coming in where you're not quite part of that family yet, you might feel like an outsider unless that association planning committee really does something to bring people like you, bring the newer members into the fold so you get that same level of connectedness. Absolutely. It's, it's that power that networking can leverage. You know, I think some of my favorite conferences I've been to is the ones where you can bring your spouse in as well. And your spouse can be a part of the spouse's group and they can go off and do their own things. Then everyone gets together that night because it is about relationships. It is about feeling connected and, and having those connections, right? At the end of the day, it's not what you know, it's who you know, and it's who you know in the industry that contributes to growth and opportunity. And I think organizations that can leverage that, not business side, but also personal and relationship aspect tend to have the most success. Right, exactly. Because that's the other thing. You think about the content for the association member, but those spouses are getting together and they're building relationships and it makes it extra hard for you to not go to that association. Oh. If your spouse is like, oh no, I need to see my friends this year. Yeah. We're going. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and that's when success is, right? When they do these nice resorts or conferences. And you know, I know my wife's a little bit more excited to say, hey, let's go to Florida for four days. Okay. You know what? That's not that bad. I think we can go there for four days you know, <laughs> in the right. middle of December, January, when it's snowing here in Michigan. I think companies and conferences that can leverage beyond just of all these keynote speakers, what is beyond that? Because for me, I like the conference, but for me, my favorite part, and that's why I'm excited to go to trade shows, is just simply the networking, to see people face-to-face, -to, -face, to have those handshakes, to have those introductions, right? Because you're having a conversation with a person, everyone's having a beer, and you're sitting around a table, and someone walks up and say, oh, hey, Jake, I want to introduce you to you know, such and such. They do this. You never have that opportunity anywhere else. That's where I think the biggest value comes from conferences. And, and I think going back to the whole millennial things, if, if you were to go out there and say, hey, this is my new person who's working within the company, or you're introducing them and say, hey, go talk to this person, listen to their story about that. I think as a younger person, they're seeing the value being contributing. They're, they feel like they're being invested in outside of, hey, we just want you to do this job the whole time. Right. So let's take it from the association conference into the manufacturing plants, because again, this is a conversation we don't have enough skilled labor force and parents have not been really having that conversation to that, that going into manufacturing, going into the trades is a no, viable career. So what are you seeing from the companies that you've worked with where they're doing it well? Some of the things that they're doing to engage, to attract, and most importantly, to keep the people that they have. Yeah. I, I mean, it goes back to, let, let's, let's, I love what your comment there, Lisa, was. Let's backtrack on that a little bit. You know, where for so long, the, the educational system, the parents, the guidance, the, the guidance counselors, the, the teachers and organizations said, hey, your next step in your career after you graduate high school is a lot of times going in to get a four-year degree for, from somewhere. And for that point in time, that was necessary. It, it was, it, for, for, for that point in time, there was a value where getting a four-year educational degree did advance your career to a point. 
I think we're past that now. I think we're to the point where that's saturated to a percent. The educational system as a whole has focused too much on pounding this idea you need this four-year degree to be successful, which just isn't the case anymore. And I think companies as a whole had begun to recognize it, going back to this, this comment of investing in your current employees is just as valuable as trying to find new ones to fit your what your demand is. And I think that goes back to the idea of having more conversations around employee retention rather than new employee attraction. If I can take my existing worker who's been working here for a long time and they've been working there for a long time because they obviously they must enjoy working there or they see some value in it and invest in them more. There's so many programs nowadays where I can send my worker to go get robot training or vision training or automation training or go get a CNC program and create their common manually assembled task and invest in them to fit that demand that they're needing, right? Companies are automating and companies aren't automating just to be more profit centric. Companies are automating due to the fact that either A, they can't get enough reliable workers consistently. B, they have machines, and this is just experience where I'm working with companies right now. B, they can't run all the machines they have on the floor because they can't have the, 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 the operators to run it. So right. there, you have all these companies that have just ginormous backflow and orders that are going out six, 12 months. And this isn't aerospace either, by the way. This is you know basic consumer products that normally should have a couple week lead time that are out months. And that's just because they can't get labor in there. So when you talk about companies, I think, how is your company leveraging retention within the company? How are you creating your, at least we'll go back to your younger generations. How are you creating purpose and driven within that company? Because if that, if, if all that young worker feels to your company is he's a person that's getting paid X, Y, Z to show up from eight to five, the soon as a company offers him a dollar more, He's going to leave because that's right. all he is the company. And that's all, all he's viewed, you know, in his eyes from a company perspective is he's an eight to five task labor person. But as soon as you go and say, Hey, we're going to put you through an educational program. We're going to invest in you. We want to give you extra tasks to gain experience, not just to overwork them, but to say, Hey, this is going to add value to your career. Then it begin all of a sudden saying, well, the younger person saying, wow, I'm getting invested in and companies are doing multiple approaches, right? You, you even hear stories about companies say, hey, you work manufacturing places. You work 40 hours this week. You could put your name in a drawing and win a Yeti cooler from Bass Pro Shop. There's other companies out there who are literally wheeling in semi-trailers of medical staff where at the end of each month, if you work 40 hours each week for that month, they offer free medical stuff for, for companies. So, I mean, manufacturers are just doing crazy things right now to compete against the other industries. You know, you look at, there's a big labor demand right now between manufacturers and distribution. Just this week, which would be the first week of June, if people are listening to this podcast later on, Amazon announced that they are no longer doing marijuana and drug testing as part of their hiring mm. and current labor process. And that's a big conversation right now, especially within the manufacturing industry where there's definitely a risk if there's a person operating heavy industrial equipment or running a high-low high operator, stuff like that, there's risk within the manufacturer. So how all of a sudden do you, do you attract people where 
person can go over to Amazon now and not have to worry about getting screening or getting testing for stuff. Whereas a manufacturer, you have that, you know, that insurance risk. Right. So manufacturers themselves are now not just battling the the idea of overseas competition for so long within manufacturing or battling the other shop manufacturing facility down the street or across the state. It's now all these new industries are popping up that are attracting that common labor force that that's now moving to, you know, distribution and warehousing. And, and that's not going to go anywhere time soon. Next by 20, uh, by 2030 or something like that, there's gonna be 22,000 new warehouses built in the U S strictly mm. for warehouse and distribution. And those are going to have to be employed by some, by somewhere. Right. Um, so it's, it's a difficult task when you look at to how do you attract and retain the workforce? And I think there's a couple of things we can do is the whole idea of my role as a business development manager for Fine Zelstra is working with companies to help modernize their existing manufacturing processes to make, first of all, their, their, their processes more robust, more, more uh, efficient, to add more ROI, to look at their OEE and to integrate industry 4.0 solutions to you know, the idea of data and traceability on their machines. But as well with that, you want to be perceived as the, as the industry as an industrial leader, an innovative company. If a person walks into that facility and they just see these manufacturing processes that are 20, 30 years old, that's extremely manual intensive, you're not going to retain that employee. He is going to move or she's going to move somewhere else. So you need to, manufacturing companies and a little automation, not just this is ROI to be more efficient, it's to take processes and to make your manufacturing company more attractive to the future workforce because we are tech savvy people. We right. love the idea of digital data. We love the idea of interacting on our phones. And if I can go on my phone or an iPad and I can get my work instructions or do a machine setup or changeover through digital tools or through virtual reality goggles or something like that versus just on a piece of paper or on a, a tack board where I'm pulling my jobs down rather than through you know an ERP system or something like that, it's just... Other companies are doing that. We're in the world of the, the app and the dot, well, not necessarily the dot com, but the app industry and, and all these new technologies. The manufacturing industry needs to adapt very right. quickly to new technologies, or we're just simply going to be left behind. And we're going to seriously continue to battle the labor demand, which we already are, you know, even pre pandemic, but definitely current and post pandemic. That's the biggest thing manufacturers are facing right now. Yeah, there's so many things, so many topics that you just brought up. First of all, with training, it's one thing to introduce people to the cool things that are out there, all the robotics and 3D printing and all of these things that are super cool, but also looking at them holistically. Is it something to send them for financial training? Is there something to send them to presentation skills training? So looking at the employees holistically, because as I, again, as I say in my programs, nobody ever quit because of too much training Mm -hmm. and the money that you are investing in those people is what keeps them there. But then when we talked about the whole marijuana thing going on, and I'll tell you, I'm in Las Vegas right now, where I believe it's recreational, and there is the smell of pot everywhere. Mm -hmm. So when you have that, and of course, you don't want your workers to come to work stoned or anything like that. But 
realizing that if a company like Amazon, who's paying a great hourly wage and not drug testing, that just takes a whole bunch of other people. Because how many people have you and I both talked to that the reason that they can't find workers is because that nobody can pass a drug test. So sometimes we, we look at these are the policies that we've had being in business for 40 years. And we have to start looking at our businesses differently in every single area of that. And marijuana falls right in there, which is just continues to be an interesting conversation. The automation, what you said of not having the workers and instead of a couple week delay, now you have several month delay. Mm -hmm. So what can we do? What we do is we look at our business differently. And I think you made just some stellar points of giving people ideas to do that. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, when you, look at the, you mentioned the holistic view. I mean, another one that really stood out to me is you can schedule an appointment with a financial advisor doing work to do financial advice during the, it's like, I would have never thought about that. And I've been in the industry for maybe 10 years now, but I would have never thought, oh yeah, you schedule an appointment with a financial advisor, go through the help plan stuff out. Talk about value add when you feel invested, right? Because the whole idea, and it makes sense, right? As soon as the person stops worrying about financial stuff, they can worry about their job and mm-hmm. they can focus more on their job, right? And and that's the whole thing. If you can create less stress within a person's life, they feel a lot less, you know, struggle when they're at work and something like that. So it's just, it's amazing to see how companies are investing in value added propositions beyond just the eight to five paycheck that for a long time, it did work. But times are changing now. You look at the industry, you look at the Googles and the Amazons in the world where I can go to Google and I can, for lunch today, get my own sushi bar. Like, you know, and I'm not saying manu- and I'm not saying that's going to be the key success for manufacturers is to open up a sushi bar at your work. But it's just, it's, it's that approach that you're looking at is you got to realize that's the industries you're competing against now. Millennials are going to be, and, and Gen Z's are high demand labor force for future manufacturing. So you need to realize that A, the labor force is never going to be available what it once was. And I, I think that's just the cold, hard truth of it, where I don't see the the total number of, do- a total number of people in manufacturing skyrocketing to what it was as a high many years ago. What I do see happening is more companies automating in a way that's taking the existing workforce and working alongside the operators and more of a flexible automation solution rather than a fully blown automation turnkey in in a sense where we look at small to medium-sized manufacturers, which is probably who are a lot of the people who are listening on this podcast right now represent about 92 to 93% of the manufacturing industry as small to medium-sized manufacturers. And of those companies, a lot of them are probably doing more along the lines of small to mid-sized volume production. So for the larger companies, yeah, they can justify full-blown automation systems because they're making millions of parts a year. So it makes sense. But how does a smaller company justify automation? And I think they need to look at it from a flexible automation perspective of saying, I need to have the local skill to do quick changeovers. And now the technology is finally adapting to it too, where I can take a robot, program it on a, a tablet drag and drop form and set up a new program and a two to three hour period for machine tending. 
that technology did not exist five years ago or 10 years ago. And now it does. And I think that's where manufacturers need to go out. If they're not already, look at all the new manufacturing solutions that are out there. The industry 4.0s, the additive manufacturing, the collaborative robots, the mobile industrial robots, which are going to be at, at a higher exception rate than industrial robots. So by, by 2028, there will be more mobile robots Mm. AMRs, AGVs, then there's going to be industrial robots. And that's the whole idea. For so long, we had operators pushing carts around on pallet jacks and on, you know, four-wheel carts. That right there is a job where, yes, yeah, some people would enjoy doing that eight hours a day. I know I personally would go insane. Right. So <laughs> how could you take those tasks and automate them where the operator can do something of more value to the company and feel more than just a person who pushes, who pushes product around all day? Absolutely. So from a networking standpoint, if you were to think about something that you would like to learn from your manufacturing colleagues or some of your insights and expertise that you'd be willing to share with other manufacturers, what would that look like? I think, I think it's the idea of adaption of flexible automation, I think is the big thing. And I think that's the, where the success is going to be in the future is how we can do, for example, the, the robotic programming environment has changed so much from structured line code to more drag and drop interactive programming. I think that's the thing that companies need to look at and, and who were intimidated by robotics four or five years ago with the costs and the investment of it, it's no longer the case anymore. Yes, you're going to need to buy a robot and there is going to be an upfront investment with either working with a systems integrator or a machine builder or the robot manufacturer. But the the investment and the risk that was once there is no longer there anymore. And the same thing within the mobile industrial robot industry or the, the vision inspection industry. Companies and manufacturers are designing systems around not just necessarily being the most efficient or the highest throughput, but how interactive and user-friendly the systems are with the operators. And I think if you're a manufacturer who's intimidated or hasn't touched new automation in five or 10 years, talk to your local distributors, talk to machine builders, you know, message me on LinkedIn or other people in the industry and say, hey, what are you doing? you're going to be blown away by the new technologies that are out there. I think that's the importance of networking. That's the importance of going to trade shows and looking at content like that I share on LinkedIn, for example, because you're going to learn something from a 60 second video around manufacturing that you wouldn't have been aware that existed before. Well, I think too, just using little snippets of videos, if somebody listening to this may be able to take their process and upload it to build that excitement of, you know, looking at how windows are made and how basketballs are made. And that's what fascinates me about manufacturing is just to see how cool stuff is made. So the little things that you do so easy to do because we all carry a video camera with us every day. We have our phone for goodness sake. So walk around the plant and start filming cool stuff and get it out there Yeah, because those new employees are checking you out. They're checking you out on YouTube. They're checking you out on LinkedIn to see, does this company do cool things and do I want to be a part of it? Yeah, absolutely. You know, if, if for one second you didn't think that when an employee is looking at your company, they don't look at your website or a potential employee is looking at your company, they don't look at your website ahead of time, um, they're going to have an idea of what your company is about before they even walk in through that door. 
And right. I think it's very important to make a, a healthy perception around what your company is uh, before. And if, if you say, well, our manufacturing processes are boring and we're not going to attract people, then that might be some time to reevaluate, right? You know, right, exactly. <laughs> you, you just know, answered if, your own question. Yeah, here's the here's the tough rule to bite is companies aren't required to automate, but they're not required to be around in 15 years either. <laughs> you right. know, it's one of those things where I, I don't want to there, there's there's always the exception, but there's also the majority. And the majority is companies who are not automating now need to automate quickly at a, a smart you know approach. But if they're not willing to invest in that now, they will be left behind in the next five to 10 years. It's just the way the world's moving right now and the way the, the manufacturing environment, we will be battling for jobs for way much longer than it's going to be going back to the idea of picking the cream of the crop because everyone's looking. It's, right. it's no longer the cream of the crop anymore. It's, do you have two hands and can you show up at seven o'clock in the morning? Great, you're hired. That's the world we live in right now. And that's the world we're going to be living in for the next 10 years. Until something, <laughs> which I don't think any of us want, you know, a massive recession or depression again, but that's just the world we're going to be living in is everyone's buying, everyone's producing, everyone's consuming. Right. So, Jake, you have just come up with so many great ideas and strategies, and particularly the tip on just looking at automation and that line about you're not required to be around in 15 years either. The best time to start this is now. So if people did want to continue the conversation with you, what's the best way for them to get in touch? Yeah, absolutely. So I would say two things. One is Make sure you connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm on there active every day. You know, send me a message. Let's have a conversation. I, I feel like I share a lot of interesting content around there, around manufacturing, just to create more awareness. If you want to get in touch with me more directly, you know, you can always email me at jake at themanufacturingmillennial.com. So themanufacturingmillennial.com and jake at that. Yeah, so those are some great places to reach and touch with me. And like I said, I love working with manufacturing companies. I love working with end users on ideas how to, you know, share their content and, and bring more awareness around what they're doing in the manufacturing industry. Awesome. Well, Jake, thank you so much for being on the show with me today. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, Lisa. I'm Lisa Ryan, and this is the Manufacturers Network Podcast. See you next time. Thanks for listening. Hey, do me a favor. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. Also, feel free to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues so we can grow the network and connect more fantastic folks just like you. You can either go to the website at manufacturers-network.com or share the podcast on your LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or wherever you and your industry friends hang out. The bigger and faster we grow this network, the stronger and deeper community we will have. I appreciate you. Thank you.